marijuana affects the memory. That's a myth. That's... No, it's from Half Baked. Oh, it's from Half Baked. When was the last time you saw the movie Half Baked? Decades. CJ, it's College. not as funny as we remember it. I know. We've had this conversation a couple of times, which is even further going to prove my point. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> of you joining us for the very first time this is icon or Wicon, the show where we break down your favorite film universes one flick at a time i am here as always with the party to my on my man mr cj laroche cj how are you feeling i'm feeling excellent <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i'm feeling really good um it's it's a beautiful night here in the Bay Area. We're looking at a balmy 14 degrees Celsius. Balmy. That's yeah, one so of those words that I'm not sure I know the definition of. Balmy? Yeah, balmy. Well, balmy, I think, usually means like kind of warm and sticky, right? But I'm using it ironically or facetiously because it's not it's not warm. It's just beautiful because it always is here mm. in the San Francisco Bay Area. It was gorgeous. I spent a week there and I fell in love. Yeah. No, it's it's great. It, it's one of the most temperate climates on the planet. Uh, <laughs> but I digress. Yes. Uh, we we're, we have a great we have a great movie for everybody. Tonight. Oh, I'm so excited. Uh, talk, talk about I feel like this movie is part of the reason we have this show, because we, you want to find a movie that stands the test of time. And somehow this movie, as dated and ridiculous and insane as it is, I well, I'll find out how you feel about it. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah, don't go there yet. Don't okay, go okay. there yet. All right, all right, I'll yeah. save it. I'll save it. I'll save it. I'll save it. Do you want to tell the people all I 19? Do. I do. Tonight on Icon or Wicon, we will be discussing the 1989 cult classic directed by Stephen Herrick screenplay written by Chris Matheson. That'll be important later. And Ed Solomon, Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Dude, bro, dude, bro, dude, bro. I just, so I, so I put this movie on, right. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I have fond memories, but as you know, you've been in every episode uh, sometimes you go back and they just don't do it, you know? No, nope. no. Nope. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they just do not do it. This one really did it for me. I yeah. had a ball. I was in tears laughing in the, in the final report sequence. I thought it was so fun. It's goddamn hilarious. <laughs> like, um, right off the jump, right from the start, though, did you remember how it started? No. I had no, I, no recollection that that movie started the way that it did. It starts wow. in the future. It's well, not only that, but like that weird sort of like low budget graphic. The, and there's the sphere that like eventually becomes the phone booth, but I'm watching the sphere and I'm like, what the fuck is that? Oh yeah. It's like this weird, like gem and it like sort of globs down into it. I did not remember it. At so, all. so weird. So right off the bat, I'm thinking to myself, Oh no, yeah. this is 1989, right? Like, I, this was my childhood 
this it i remember it's bad grainy tv and and you know like snow on the so yeah so i was worried i was worried i was genuinely concerned Genuinely concerned, but like as anything in life, when George Carlin enters the room, we just know that everything's going to be okay. Still not sold on him. You tried to do it while I was in California, and I didn't get there. Maybe I haven't found the right piece. Well, I don't think you've watched enough. If you're going to tell me that you watch one clip that I found on YouTube when we were, you know, otherwise, <laughs> you, you know, you got to give it time, man. You got to really like dig in his, his George Carlin's comedy bit about golf. Um, excuse me, about baseball versus football. Uh, uh, that's that's as funny as funny gets. Okay. So, and you don't even have to be a sports fan. We appreciate it. Also, golf. He talks about golf. You spend four hours chasing a ball around. You know, I'd hit it once. Pick, pick the damn thing up. Put it in my pocket. Be happy that I found it. Walk away. Anyway, I digress. Uh, yeah, Again, uh, yeah, enough. This enough. is a giant digression. Huge, huge. So here's the thing. The whole conceit of this movie, and I forgot. You know, it's funny. You remember things, right? You remember certain like elements, and I just kind of remember images. That's how my brain works. And okay. I remember dialogue, and I remember chunks. I was super young when this came out. I've seen it a bunch of times. My older brothers loved this movie. Um, they didn't love. They, did. they didn't love the second one as much, but it's kind of their kind of Bill and Ted's age. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to get into the second one because I vaguely remembering this, remember the second one being better. Yeah. I liked the second one a lot too. It's weirder, but what I love about visiting this movie as an adult is how painfully aware it is that it's an eighties movie. And because it's an eighties movie, it has things it has to achieve. Mm. So whereas movies, whereas movies like back to the future, Right. Which is also has a time travel conceit. Uh, it, it seeks to be a Hollywood blockbuster. Right. It seeks True. to it seeks to do something a little bit more mainstream. It's almost as if it's it's Robert Zemeckis finding his Spielberg glow. Do you know what I mean? It's that kind of movie. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a, a very nice analogy. It's got a bit of a glow to it. Whereas this movie also involves time travel also has a huge comedy element manages to celebrate the fact that there are a lot of shitty eighties movies out right now that Mm. do certain things. What's fascinating is this movie comes out in 1989, right? Yep. It was shot in 87. It was shot in 87, but it comes out in 89. So this is like peak aerobics. This is peak fitness time, right? Mm -hmm. This is peak synthesizers. Yeah, this is this is peak um, adventure parks, adventure parks, Uh, the weird like, oh, oh, she's so she's so hot. Oh, this untouchable girl. Oh, she's kind of my mom. This whole like weird (laughs) thing. These sort of like sexual shenanigans that become tropes, things that become 80s tropes are played in this 80s movie for comedy. They have a future awareness that these cinematic elements in five years will be regarded as ridiculous. Your filmmakers Mm. understand that these tropes are ridiculous and they're giving them to you. And we're in 1989 scooping them up because they're doing things that every movie does. Like they put, (laughs) they put fucking Bill in a crop top for the entire movie. He's in a crop top. That man is wearing a crop top. He's in a crop top the entire movie presented without comment. They want to form a band and they said, as soon as they get 
Eddie Vedder, there'll be a band. Eddie Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen, not Eddie Vedder. Shit. Yeah. You're a little early get, for Eddie Vedder. Yeah. As soon as they get Eddie Van Halen, they're going to be a band. A band with three fucking lead guitarists. Like, these guys are boneheads. Like, not a single bass, not a single drum. Now, as far as, like, the crop top goes, I, I do think that there's a couple of interesting things at play here. First, um, the time travel machine was originally going to be a van. Yep. But they switched it to a phone booth because of Back to the Future. Because Back to the Future, yep. The original um, conceit for Bill and Ted's was actually Bill and Ted and Bob. And they were supposed to be nerds. Right. But then they cast um, Keanu Reeves and, <clears throat> excuse me, Alex Winter. And they're like, these guys could never be nerds. No, they're so cute. They're so right? popular. So they they yeah. put them in the crop top because that's the height of fashion. Yeah. Well, it's what. Um... What's his name? Johnny Depp wore for most of Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Like those were things. He didn't last very long though. He made it to act three. Johnny Depp? Johnny Depp made it to act three of Nightmare on Elm Street. Did he? I thought he went out early in the bed. Bed's late. I thought the bed was like in the beginning. Bed is bed is right before her final booby trap stand. Oh wow. Yeah. Well, that'll be fun to revisit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we should do that series in the morning. I love those. Uh, Stunning appearance by Circle K in this movie. Bill, there's something afoot at the Circle K. (laughs) It's so great. So let's let's continue. So I forgot that the whole premise is. I was saying that I remember images and I remember certain things that are so popular, but I didn't remember like that the actual germ of a MacGuffin is that they're going to fail history. history. Yep. And if they fail history, they get separated because Ted has yep. to go to military school. Mm-hmm. And if they get separate and the future is saving them. That's right. The future has to go back. The future has to save the past. It's a little Terminator uh, time travel rules here. Yes. Yes. Something Which- bad is going to happen in the past that will affect the future. That's already, that's already happened. Yeah. (laughs) Which doesn't make any sense, but what's also excellent is how they play with that in act three. Oh my God. It's amazing. What does he say? I'm paraphrasing when he's like, we have, okay. So we have to remember to do this after we do the report, but it happened. So we already did. But it's already happened, so we yeah. did it. Yeah, yeah. like fantastic, so stupid, makes no sense. Remember a trash can. Remember a trash can, and then it comes out of the uh, air, out of the sky. Like who put yeah. that there? It's the tape recorder with his voice on it. Yeah, it's no, hilarious. It's fantastic. It's, it's so hilarious. Funny. They play so fast and loose with the time travel rules that it stops needing. They play to make so sense. fast and loose with everything, dude. How did Billy the Kid and Socrates get into those? robes to fucking be the executioner no idea we're gone for 10 minutes <laughs> no idea that well that yeah that whole relationship <laughs> escalated so quickly uh okay let's talk about jumping something. to the jumping to the end first i got to yeah. like they they show up back in san Dimas with two hours to go they have to go and find everybody and break everybody out of jail and get and get napoleon out of the uh water park but somehow they've had time to put together an aida level production Wait, i know no rehearsal. <laughs> I thought about no the rehearsal. There's lighting. There's music. Who's running the board, CJ? 
when did the when did the actors learn their lines? <laughs> like what they have they have props. There's a whole yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll, we'll let's talk there. about that we'll, final I just sequence. Need, I did need yeah, to point no. that out that we were talking about the sublime and the ridiculous and that yeah. was maybe the biggest. But they just they just lean into it and I think that's so it's part of the charm of this movie. Oh my god, yes. That they just bite down on it. They double down on everything ridiculous. It gets yeah. and it gets worse and worse as it goes on, but you're just along for the ride. So they scoop up Billy the kid. We've never explained why Bill and Ted say the same thing at the same time so often. There's no need to. And hey, Mr. the Kid. It's beautiful. <laughs> so it's they they automatically everyone's title is their last name. That's their gimmick, that's their bit. Yep. Miss Miss Avark, it's always funny when they do it. It's a good. It's, it's good always shtick. funny. It's how they know people. Noah's wife. Um, Noah's wife. Um, the Socrates bit. When and then when, Billy the kid jumps right onto it. Right when they land in England, they get out of the the phone booth, and he's like, "What do you think about that, Socrates? Where are we, dude? I love it. Yeah. I love that Billy the kid is like on board right away. Oh yeah, he's their friend. They saved his life. Yeah. Um. Wait. So. So when he's like, he's giving his philosophy, there is no way for them to communicate with him. He plays with, yes, with Socrates. He he plays with the sand and Socrates goes, yes, like sands through the hourglass. These are the days of our lives. lives. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I was in stitches already. I was like, wait, I forgot how witty it is. Oh it's, my god, no. It, the script in this thing is is amazing. You got to say you got to you know, you got to recognize Chris Matheson, right, who's one of the the writers. Um his dad is Richard Matheson, who wrote I Am Legend, Incredible Shrinking Man, What Dreams May Come. So yeah. he's like he comes from a lineage of thinking fantastically. You know, and it shows in this in this movie. You know, it plays on like a comedic level, but still it's, it's, you gotta, you know, you gotta give it up for the, uh, the Matheson lineage yeah, on that one. Writery writers. And you know, it's funny. I think I, a lot of people wrote these movies off as being two silly California bros telling dumb jokes, um, working in a musical right now. I'm doing, I'm doing Tootsie right now. I have, it's, it's very funny. The book is hilarious. And I had the luxury of watching our book writer, Robert Horn, do rewrites for this production. And like, I, I didn't realize how hard comedy is. Mm. Like so many, so many things have to be right for it to be funny at all. Yep. And, and for this movie to look so effortless and silly and like a ridiculous romp, do you, how many jokes were scrapped to get this movie? This movie's right. fucking funny. It's hilarious. Like, and I was just thinking about that the whole time. I was like, these comedy chops to make these two look like idiots. These, these boys, like Keanu Reeves has been trying to shake this whole surfer bro thing that he nails. You have to be smarter than this character to play this character this well. Oh no, absolutely. It's, it's so unfortunate that Keanu Reeves has, has had to do that. Yeah. Um, over the years, but you know, you think about, um, <laughs> his, his line in uh, point break. The FBI is going to pay me to learn how to surf. I know. And he's it's like, bro, <laughs> you're doing it to yourself, man. Like, he's, he's just saying the lie. He's gifted us with some bizarre things. Um, yeah. I, I mean, even in the matrix, there, there were a couple of times. Where, Whoa. I know. <laughs> I, I know Kung Fu. <laughs> like, it's so good. Though. But it's his thing. It's his thing. You have to love him for it. Cause he's so smart. Um, yeah. I, now the thing that I could not get on board with was uh, his, 
What was it? Pride and Prejudice? Yikes. Oh yeah. Like the period pieces were not a good fit. And and there was no, a no, no. there was a moment in time where we kept trying to like make that a thing. And like Keanu yeah. Reeves. Well, he did a Dracula once, right? He played Harker. He did, yes. In Dracula. Suspicious accent. Yeah. Well, yeah. Most of the time. Uh again, again, so many digressions. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing though. Here's the thing that kills me. I can't really tell. It's it's after they get Billy the Kid, they decide to just continue picking up historical figures, yes? Well, it's after they get after Napoleon accidentally gets taken uh, it's Napoleon from first. France. That's what it is. Yeah. And that was an accident. Yeah. And they just decide to keep picking people up, but they just kind of don't stop. And then there's a whole long extended sequence. The longest time we spend in any period, and it's not very long, is that whole weird innocuous period with the princesses. So who are they trying to get? In England. Yeah, they they somebody English, like they just pick a time period, right? Yeah, it could have been anybody. Yeah. Right, because they said medieval. We need we need another medieval person. Yeah. Um but yeah. So they end up in England and they run into uh one of my favorite 80s actresses, Diane Franklin. Who is that? played the French girl in Better Off Dead. Okay. She's one of the princesses. Oh, the princesses are funny. They're hilarious. Yeah. They're hilarious. And I think, you know, they might have, you talked about the jokes, man. They might have just landed in England for the Iron Maiden joke. <laughs> Probably. Could have been the Iron Maiden <laughs> that joke. Setup. Let's just bring him there. You know, we and also that's where the armor. And- that's where the antenna gets our well, the armor. The armor that's how they amazing. sneak into the <laughs> they sneak into the castle, but it's already in the castle. Yeah, it's, it's so stupid. <laughs> Presented without apology. No. Also, how did he fall out of his armor? He, because he had to movie. Because movie, right? Hilarious like, movie. Yeah, yeah, I think it's because hilarious movie, not just because movie. Because hilarious movie. They make it makes no sense, and but I was no like, okay, I watched it. I was like, all right, I could gotcha that, but it's really not worth it because there's so much that doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. There's no rules. Um, there's no rules in it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. This is this is another case like um, Hot Shots. Yeah, it's yeah. Naked Gun. They're doing something. The stupid. rules don't make sense, and it's Keep fine. watching. It's funny. Yeah. They're ridiculous. Uh, yeah. So they have this thing with the princesses. They get they get nothing out of this trip. It's the longest trip they take. They get nothing out of this trip but a broken antenna. Somehow they manage. So the antenna's broken. Again, nothing makes sense. The antenna's broken. They go to the future. They realize that they're worshipped. Yep. And everybody's doing the weird slow guitar thing. Yeah. Um, They're the saviors of humanity. But they continue to pick up people with this broken antenna. And the broken antenna doesn't seem to be malfunctioning until they have overloaded the phone booth and are riding it like a canoe. Yeah. Which and is amazing. It's so funny. And and, and you're such seeing bad CGI. Oh, it's terrible. You're seeing them in the time circuits. It looks like a lawnmower man rejected scene. And like <laughs> they're in the time circuit, just like swirling around. And I was like, why are they riding like that? And then he goes, Oh, the antenna's broken. I was like, so he can see the antenna. So he can That's, see the antenna. Yeah, it's so stupid. Yeah. But I'm so here. Dumb. But I'm here. You're totally here. There's no reason to try to pick this thing apart. Now there are some deeper themes that I would love to touch on later. Okay. Um, but it, it just like it just goes to show that sometimes you can just be hilarious, right? And and surprisingly enough, 
a film shot in 1989 with all men at the helm almost holds up. Almost holds up. There's only one part that made me cringe. Well, there's two parts that made me cringe. Okay. Right now, yes. I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure if, if it's like not what didn't work for me. Uh. Um, but is that woman Bill's mom? Is she safe? No. Is she safe? She's she can't be safe. No, that's a very weird situation. Well, I mean, just like when when Bill's dad kicks them out of the room. Yeah. And like you. Uh, uh, that's strange. What was what was the direction? She's making a weird face, and then it she's like making a weird melts face, and like it I hope changes. She's okay. Yeah. I mean, later was... we find out that she does sort of have a thing for like older academic men, right? Because yeah, he's, he wears a tie and a sweater, so we assume he's an academic. Yeah. And then she's in love with Bernie Casey, um, as well. But I was just a little worried about her. In that scene, yeah. Um, and then the other one is when Bill and Ted hug, and we and we get an f bomb. They say the f. Yeah, I forgot about that part. Yeah, uh, is it, I'm I I'll confess, I still left. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I have such a complicated relationship with that word. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, it's terrible. Every everything that is is about what's right in me understands that it was it's not the right thing to say. Um, yeah. I did laugh, when but they in nineteen eighty nine, it didn't matter. Oh, that was oh my god. We both lived through the eighties. You said that word all the time. Like yeah, and I, it I, wasn't like it wasn't malicious somehow, no. right? In this context, um, yeah. But yeah, but those are the only two things you know where I was like. It's like, oh wow, this movie like kind of holds up. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. Yeah, for for all the all the crazy dated things that they do, um, I I love the whole dynamic that they have with um, Ted's dad, and how Ted's dad is a complete one note '80s villain. Yep. yep. That just I'm I'm gonna send you. Or he doesn't he doesn't do anything but yell at Ted. Yeah. Like no motivation. We find out he works at the police station later. Yeah, because he's wearing the NRA jacket. Yeah. These writers were ahead of their time. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 It's it's so crazy. Um, I want to know something. I have a question for you though. Why do you think Deacon abandoned Napoleon? Yeah, Deacon sucks, man. Yeah, and he's like, cause he was a dick. I was like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, like they paid you. Yeah, no, definitely you should have taken care of him. Um, they did get him the big ice cream. Which was hilarious. Those Z- waiters were hilarious. Those why waiters are, those... are the writers of the film. <laughs> why are they speaking with a bad French accent to him? Ziggy piggy. Ziggy piggy. Why are they doing Z-Z-Z-Z-Z. that? Yeah, hard to say. Hard to say. <laughs> Nothing makes sense. Nothing makes I, sense. It was the, Nor should it. No, it's, should it's it. the zaniest thing. It's no. it, it's absolutely the zaniest thing. So let's talk about let's talk about this whole water park sequence that kind of goes on way too long. Waterloo. Why? Come on. Why? How clever. It's funny. How great is that? <laughs> of course he goes to Waterloo. Waterloo. Again, <laughs> they they know immediately. I was Napoleon and I was in San Dimas. Where would I go? Waterloo. Waterloo. Yeah. <laughs> Look. 
And we see him ride so many slides. We see him cut children to ride these slides. Like that's, yep. that's the second longest sequence. Yeah. But later he's trying to convince that little girl to go. Yes, he is. So redemption. I guess it's just so strange. And they get the towel and, and like, he's like, no, 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 no. He doesn't want to leave. Like, I don't, I don't know why Napoleon is a giant man, baby. I don't know why Napoleon is a giant man, baby. I don't know why Genghis Khan is playing in the athletic section. Oh my God. The great Al Leong. <laughs> so he, wait. that guy's in like, huh? What? No, no, keep going. Oh, that guy's in like all of the martial arts and the Kung Fu movies ever. He's fin- fucking fantastic. I love, I love him. it. And they get him with a Twinkie. They lure him in with a Twinkie. It's so dumb. So, like, here's the thing. The mall sequence. Another 80s trope that they just play up. No, it's it's fucking brilliant. I do want to touch on why is Napoleon a, a, a giant man baby? Oh, please. Yes. That's historically accurate. Oh, really? Yeah, man. Like, he was, he because he was little. Uh-huh. He was of the, you know, he was a tiny human. Uh, and he always had a huge chip on his shoulder and was always famous, famous for complaining. Um, yeah. And he actually like when at the end, when he's going through his battle plan and Ted's like, I don't think it's going to work. And he like loses his mind. Like that probably happened. Yeah. And that's how he got Waterloo. That ego, man, will get you every yeah. time. Totally. So this mall sequence, though, the mall, let's go. So they bring them to the mall, which is how they're going to teach them about San Dimas culture. That's right. Because that's the, the assignment. Yeah. That's these, the assignment. How, how these historical figures would react to San Dimas <laughs> and everything like Billy, the kid, so crates and um, Freud try to yep. talk to two girls. Yeah. Well, Billy the Kid and Socrates are doing okay. They're kind of like cute and quirky, but then Freud comes over and with that beef Ruins on a stick or whatever it is. It's a corn dog. It's a corn dog. Right, right, yeah. right. I've never had a corn dog. Wait, what? I know they exist. I've never put one in my mouth. CJ. Yeah. You've never had a corn dog? I don't even know what it is. Is it a hot dog on a stick with like bread? Are you fucking kidding me? I'm not. It's a it's a hot dog. On did, a I just lose, did I just lose my fat card? Uh, no, I, no, I mean, I'm, I would never say that to somebody, but like, I just like a fucking you've never had a corn dog. Jesus, have you never been to the fair? <laughs> I, I, I have been to the <laughs> fair and I've got all the things I've wanted. Uh, yeah, no, I never got a corn dog. You just sang a cut song from Camelot and I love you for that. It's not cut. Totally cut. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. If, if Take Me to the Fair is in your show, you're using a very old score. The licensed materials no longer include Take Me to the Fair and have not since 1998. But it's in the movie. It's in the movie. Yeah. It's in the movie. It's in the movie. Uh, yeah. When I did the when I did the production of Camelot, we did it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's uh, in the licensed materials. It is uh, an instrumental. Oh, well, that's silly. It's a, it's a crossover a instrumental for the fair. It's- that's fucking amazing. Yeah, it just kind of leads you. Not into unlike the this mall scene. Not like this mall scene. Oh my god, so many digressions today. So listen, the mall sequence. Joan of Arc hijacks an aerobics class because, of course, she does. Yeah, fantastic. Why? Why? Why wouldn't she? And uh, she says she's going to bring that back to her uh, her battalion in France, but we all know that it's probably not going to happen. No, she's going to get burnt at the stake. 
she's going to get burnt to the stake. And also like Lincoln is going to meet a, a yeah. terrible end. Socrates is going to meet a terrible end. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. It's like, it, it's like no way home. Why, why does Lincoln sit to get his picture taken? Why is that the thing he does in the mall? The old so timey pictures. So that the guy can try to take his beard and hat back. His move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These are mine. Um, the whole um, Beethoven at the keyboard shop Come on. because every eighties mall had that like piano and keyboard shop. Of course it did. Yeah. The Casio bro. Yeah. I forgot about that. I used to love going there. I remember um, running out cause my parents started singing. The guy started playing the organ. My parents started singing harmony and I got so embarrassed and I left. I would fucking, <laughs> I would, I would fucking kill 18 unicorns have that moment back and not walk out <laughs> that they loved each other that much. I would kill, destroy those unicorns just to have that moment back. Yeah. But yeah, I, like I did Voldemort. that as a child. Yep. Um, so the mall sequence bonkers, they have to break these people out of prison eventually. Yep. And that's yeah, now when I we, do wonder, I do wonder why Beethoven gets arrested for that. All he does is he's just being annoying. He's just playing a song. And yeah. everybody's loving it. Like, why is that guy got to ruin Christmas? Yeah. So they do that whole thing. We touched on it a little bit. They do that whole thing at the uh, at the police station where they decide that they're going to remember to do something later for themselves. And it happens yeah. so yeah. they can get through it. And then I don't know. Do they? Is that how the final project manifests? Because also they have they have set pieces like they have platforms Oh yeah, no. They've got a chair. Uh, they've got a table. They've got a map. They've got a, a little couch for Ted to sit in as Sigmund goes through the father-son wait, relationship. Wait, <laughs> when he when he breaks that down for him, and his face is like wow, like his his it mind makes perfect sense. Him. Yeah, and then, and then he's like, Bill, would you like to give it a try? And he's like, No, nah, I just have a minor Oedipal complex. <laughs> so gross. So <laughs> gross. But again, they're not dumb. They're just like a little bit dim. Yep. Like they do. Yeah, well, here's the thing, Andrew. Like, I, I there's there's a theory out there that you know this movie is actually like really brilliant in that it breaks down or rather shines a light on the breakdown of the educational system in America. Oh right. And like yeah. Bill and Ted are visual artists, right? They're visual thinking, they're oral, they they give they have to give an oral presentation, right? So like they're not dumb, they just haven't memorized things. Yeah, you know, even when they're like sitting at the Circle K parking lot when they're trying to figure out like how to do the report, like Ted comes over and he's like, That lady said that Magna Carta was this, and then they stop that woman and they're like, Hey, do you know about this? Like Socrates was a very famous oralist. Of thought <laughs> and philosophy, <laughs> no, and he actually he, he he thought that you know writing things down and books and all that would actually lead to the downfall of society because you know when people write stuff down, the elitists can then take over, right? Like yeah. the people who can read and write now, all of a sudden they have the power and are taking and and sort of um, uh, you know putting down the illiterate masses. Mm -hmm. so to speak so when bill and ted again like they don't they don't sit there and they can't memorize all this stuff but like get them in front of a crowd and get them with people and get them talking to people they absolutely make 100 sense oh yeah and that and what's funny is they're able to present a very cohesive project and they have oh yeah no do you they could run that off broadway oh yeah and, and 
and they have a good understanding of who they need to get too. They're mm-hmm. like, okay, we got to get so great. We got to get Joan of Arc, like beef oven. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's really fascinating. Um, Beethoven rocks the house, Joan of Arc. So I'm not going to lie. When Joan of Arc was fighting with Bill, Bill's got body, man. <laughs> Bill's hot. I was like, get a crop top. Come on. <laughs> Um, very athletic yeah but like uh i don't think it's gonna work it's hysterical (laughs) (laughs) he's got a lot of great one-liners in this movie they're both so funny and their chemistry is unreal unreal their chemistry is unreal you can tell they had a ball doing this oh my god totally i i i can't i i can't even begin to imagine what it was like developing that dynamic, you know? Mm, sure. Because <laughs> it's, it's like, what number are we thinking of right now? 69! 69, dudes! dudes. <laughs> like, obviously. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Um, the, um, the final project, the final project had me weeping, I thought, because the, and the way it's cut together to show yeah. the individual presentations and then they vanish. Oh, yeah. This big spectacular thing. They basically made a rock show. They're rockers. They are rock stars. They're rock stars. Yeah. Yep. They Absolutely. just haven't learned how to they play a song yet. How to play. Yeah. That's all they needed the whole time, okay. which is something that comes up in the second movie. Can't wait. Which, which I love that they, that they eventually get there. Um, also hearing George Carlin's, whoever that double was, shred real quick was so good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was dope. He plays a little... Um, and so the princesses are part of their band again, makes no sense. Why makes no sense. Yeah. Nope. It's like John Connor and Kyle. Yeah. How is that even possible? Why is that? What, yeah. what happened? Who was the father originally? It yeah. wasn't Kyle. Couldn't have been Kyle. That doesn't make Kyle any sense. Had never been born yet. Yep. So weird, but I loved it. I'm glad you did too. I was so impressed with how much of it held up mm. and, and how fun it was. It's fun and it's joyous. Joyous and, and, is the and, word. And you never have to guard yourself for some incoming trauma that Bill and Ted are going to have. No, you they're know? never in any danger. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's really, there's something very safe about the whole adventure and it's, it's yeah. very fun. And I, and I just had a ball. So totally. Um, All right. For icon or Wycon. I know. Right. <laughs> no, no, no. We, we, but we, we really should develop some good answers for some things later. So let's maybe, okay. let, maybe let's take a little break. Let's take a little break. You know, CJ, this is one of our pandemic traditions that I'm so glad we were super consistent with because I really am starting to see the results of all of our work on this podcast. It's pretty great. Now, where are you seeing results, Andrew? Like in your midsection, um, like in your your chest area, where where are the results happening best for you? Because I could use some. Listen, my chest area is on fire, but really it's because my heart is so full from all the engagement we've been getting on our social media. I mean, I'm talking to... I'm talking to people on the Instagram. I'm talking to people on the Twitter and I want to do more of it. The 18 listeners have really started to engage. Uh, We appreciate you. We see you. Uh, We're very excited to have you. Yeah. So I think that Andrew, where can, where can the people who may be 19, 20, 21, where can they find us? Listen at icon or Ycon, both on Twitter and Instagram. And we have gotten way more active than we ever were. So remember those 15 episodes where we kind of lied to you about communicating with us? They're, it's true now. We're actually there and we want to hear from you. So I say go for it. Just do it. Yeah. Log on. 
log in, trip out. <laughs> back to the show. And we're back. We are back. The break is over. We're ready to mosey through. Hey, hey, how, how did you enjoy your break? Good, sir. Uh, you know, it's gotten a little warm in the room that I'm in. So I took a little step outside onto the, the patio, the credenza, I think some people call it. Is that what they're called? No, that's the wrong word. Yeah, that's not it. Isn't a credenza like a piece of furniture? Sure. Yeah. What word am I thinking of, though? The lanai, a la no, Betty White. Oh, Betty White. R.I.P. Oh, Betty. We haven't even talked so about close. Betty. We haven't so talked about close. so many things. We haven't talked about Betty. We haven't talked about New Year's. We haven't talked about the fact that I'm currently in isolation after testing positive for COVID-19. Well, I wasn't going to out you. I think it's important that we be honest about where we're at. I managed to make it through 2020 and 2021, but not a day into 2022. <laughs> well, congratulations. Thank you. Um, and and you know what? You're doing okay because you're double boost, double vaxxed and boosted. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, and honestly, that's why I'm okay. That's why you're okay. I'm confident that that's why I'm okay because no question. you know no how question. much I drink. Um <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I think that despite our love fest from that first hour, yeah, some really hard lines have to be drawn, you know, Agreed. because yep. we kind of, we kind of just like, I, I mean, I went into it without notes. I'm just in my hotel room, just like living my life, being all free with my new year, new year, new me, just rocking the show without notes. Now he doesn't do it anymore, but I think it's time to take these ideas, focus them. Put them in what Malvina mm-hmm. Reynolds once called little boxes on the hillside. Little boxes made of ticky tacky. Tacky. And our little boxes tonight, good sir, are called ephemeral questions. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> we'll go deep, even deeper than before into Bill and Ted's magic history tour. What really worked in this tiny budget flick? Was there a deeper meaning? Was it all just stick? Well, we'll find out by asking ephemeral questions. We'll give out awards and see if we learned any lessons. We can both agree this movie was a small piece of heaven. But we're still gonna ask and answer the ephemeral questions. <laughs> the heavy breathing. <laughs> that was not only was that one of your strongest numbers, that was one of your strongest performances. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You had me all fucked up when you started with the oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the song starts that way. So, so no, it was perfect. It was exactly what I needed. Uh what worked about this movie for you? Okay. So many things, um, but the thing I would like to isolate in honor of you. Thank you. Is the pacing. Yes. Holy shit, man. This movie movies right along. Now it's Mm -hmm. only an hour and a half, but like I've sat through 49 minutes of stuff that I felt like I wanted to shoot me myself in the face because it was so slow. No, the pacing, 
everything that happens in this movie moves the plot. Right. Even even the, the princesses. Right. Because we get the payoff earlier with say hi to the princesses. Um, nothing. There's no there's no fat. Right. There's no there's no nothing needs to be trimmed. What would you cut? Nothing. Everything just goes and goes and goes. And it's so beautifully done. Um, there's humor. There's there's touching moments. I mean, when fucking when when Ted says and he's talking you know, interpreting for Socrates and he goes, and he loves San Dimas. Of course he does. Of course he does. But no, I just love the pacing in this movie, man. Everything just goes and there's not there's always a reason for it. Nothing is is, you know, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? I want to, I'm trying, the, the, the word on the tip of my tongue is stratanious. Extraneous? Extraneous. Nothing is extraneous. <laughs> Stratanious? Nothing's extraneous, even in the credenza or the crescendo. <laughs> um, but I love that everything just keeps moving forward in this movie. That's what really, really works for me at the end of the day. I love that. Yeah. It really does kind of have a rolling aspect to it, which is oh, so important God. for comedy. Like, keep it. Oh, it's got to move. It's got to move. It's got to move. It's got to move. Can't stop. Won't stop. Yeah. What worked for you? Uh, you know what worked for me? Uh, I loved that the characters, as, as silly as the time travel conceit is, mm. that the tone of dialogue is very consistent between the characters. Like Bill and Ted have a thing that they do. And it's it's a shtick and it's a brand and it's a variety, but they do not deviate from it. And, and thusly, they do not do things that Bill and Ted do not do. Do you know what I mean? Right. Right. Like everything is, is so cleanly drawn within this sort of uh, funhouse mirror version of reality that they live in. Genghis Khan completely like uh, destroys that whole athletic store with the sporting goods, store. The sporting goods store. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like, it's the way they kidnap him, like with all the ladies around him and he's eating, like it, it all like lines up the way that they write these characters the way they yep. draw these characters. For some reason, Sigmund Freud is always wh- exactly what you think Sigmund Freud would be doing and, <laughs> and trying to get into your head. And, and it's, it's weirdly sexual. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, Socrates, happy to be here. Just happy to be here. Life is yeah. beautiful. It's just, I'm, I'm in my great, moment. Yeah. We're all grains of sand. He's just living. Um, it's, it's so funny. The dad, I talked about uh, Ted's dad. Uh, he's, he's your 80s villain. He's the principal from Breakfast Club. Like, mm, I, sure, sure, I don't want to sure, know sure, his backstory. I don't want to know anything deep about him. He's, he's what he does is that. And every, yeah, all of his moves are consistent with that. Bill's father has a suspicious relationship with a very young woman that uh, graduated high school two years ago. If my math four is correct. Years ago. Is it four years? Are they seniors? They're seniors. And she, he, she was a senior when they were freshmen. I think they're juniors, dude. No. They're seniors. If they're seniors why would they be upset about him going to military school next year? They're expecting to do another year of school together. Oh, I thought that they were seniors and he would flunk history. So he'd have to redo his senior year regardless. Yeah. doesn't matter. It doesn't That's matter. a digression. Yeah. We're, that we're is a digression. digression Andrew. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, everybody, the, the way the characters are drawn and written uh, nothing I say is worthless for the record, but um, the way <laughs> the consistency with which the characters are drawn and written and the dialogue with which they speak to each other uh, is very consistent. And I thought that was laudable considering the zany conceit of the film. Yeah, totally. 
Uh, what didn't work about this movie for you? I mean, the the CGI. <laughs> I know what that was, that was <laughs> shit back then. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, it is the one thing that bothered me about Terminator 1984. <laughs> like, how? Why do they need to be saved? from doing something that they didn't do the first time around. Yeah. That's my only issue. Cause they only do is, this because they go back and do it. Right. Right. Even the stuff with like in the police station and stealing his dad's keys and like, that's all fine. Like I'm, I'm totally on board with that because like, you know, like the Hulk says you go into the past, that past now becomes your future. Yeah. The present you just left is now your past. Um, but the fact that they have their, their moment of separation is imminent. Is this an alternate timeline? I don't think it's an alternate timeline, but I will agree that there is no MacGuffin that warrants Rufus going back in time. Do you know what I mean? Right. They were right. always going to we almost got, fail. If somebody if was got to, causing yeah. them to fail, somebody from the future was causing them to fail their report. Exactly. That sends Rufus back to the past. That sends Rufus back. Yeah, there's really that's the only thing is that we start from a place that just doesn't make any sense at all. Mm-hmm. But again, we as we've discovered, it doesn't really matter. How did he fall out cares? of his armor? Like I don't know. Yeah, we yeah, saw him fall downstairs and get stabbed. Yeah, as far as like the movie goes, you know, like the 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 casual misogyny is that woman okay? And the F word notwithstanding, like the movie itself is fine. Yeah. And has really no issues in my <laughs> mind. It's, it's I'm, good. I'm very eager to hear what you say now. So this one was tough for me because I spent all day thinking about this actually. And I was like, what's a good thing that didn't work? Uh, I, I don't think... I think this movie completely exists within the boundaries of its creation. You know, I think it manages to be from the eighties and about eight years ahead of its time at the same time. And because of that fact, I think it works extraordinarily well. Uh, Got to pick something. Cause I always hustle you for an answer. I think the medieval sequence uh, is a little too long and it sticks out to me as the only sequence where they don't have a specific person they're looking for. There's no specific objective. They just go to medieval times. Now I will say this, there was a version of the script where they did pick up somebody called John the surf. And and the joke was going to be that they went to medieval times and picked up a nobody. And that joke got cut. So I think on some level, what we're seeing is the punchline was originally supposed to be that they don't get anybody useful. They just get somebody. Okay. Uh, which is funny. Which is which is funny, but they, they ended up making it a device to introduce the princesses because the princesses will factor in later. So they had to go there. Sure. Uh, I th- that's my that's my one complaint. That's it's it's the sequence that takes the longest, but there's no reason for them to be there. Yeah. I do like that Billy the Kid and Socrates save them. And I do love that he falls out of the armor and you're like, what? Yeah. How? <laughs> yeah. How? Yeah. Just go with it. Just yeah. go with it. It's the same bit that they used in history of the world. It's the same exact bit that Mel Brooks used in history of the world. 
Yeah. Um, totally. All we need is a miracle. And all of a sudden, the people that have just been off camera for 20 minutes save them. <laughs> How? <laughs> How? Yeah. Well, they uh, get there. <laughs> Does this movie make your desert on top five? I mean, as far as like 80s movies go, yeah, absolutely. It's I'm fucking so fun. Glad. I'm so glad that they re that they did a third one so that we could go back now and you know introduce a whole new generation of folks to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah, uh, it's very excited to watch this movie again. Forgot how great they both are. They're hilarious. In these roles, how charming they are. You know, um, love that I've like did a little research and 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 you know have this like alternative version where it's actually a commentary on education in America. Yeah, because yeah, because of course it is. Of course it is. You shouldn't it's have smart. to just memorize names and dates and all that shit. Like that's. I mean, I like doing that. Yeah, but history it's, is about so much more than that. It's you not know, for his, everybody. Yeah, history is about the people. Um and and God, you know, God, God thanks Bill and Ted for for showing us that. Uh, yeah, no, this is a great movie. And 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 if you you know. Not only is Bill and Ted's a great movie in 1989, but like this really creates the 90s movie. This leads us into all of those dumb comedies that we get in the 90s. This is the groundbreaker. Yeah, it really does. Like you talked about the 80s tropes, like it really does bridge the gap between the 80s and 90s. So, yeah, this is definitely, definitely a Desert Island top fiver. Yeah, 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 for real. Uh, For me as well. I, I, very rarely do I watch a movie and it's like, I, I forgot that I loved this and that it still sticks. If this is, this is something I could show to Bartsky. I married a younger man for those listeners that don't know that. And every so now and you to marry a younger man. <laughs> but um, every now and then I introduce him to a movie that's so special to me. And he's just like, what? Like, but this one I'm confident he would enjoy. Cause this is very, very funny. It's just genuinely funny. Yeah, no, it's um, hilarious. And they're it, they're hilarious. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. So you ready? Random bonus question. Oh god, yeah. All right. If you had to add a sidekick for Bill and Ted, what kind of sidekick would it be and what mm-hmm. purpose would they serve? Okay, well, it would definitely be a Jonah Hill type. Okay. Um, and it would be just that. It would be like think Jonah Hill's character in Moneyball. Hilarious. The smart guy. Yeah. You know, the smart, kooky, funny guy. Um, to be to to be with them and to kind of interpret for them along the way. Okay. You know, so like like everything everything they say, you know, dumb about, you know, who was Joan of Arc? No, his wife. They'd be like, No, actually, Ted, Joan of Arc was. Got it. And just like just Riley explaining everything to them with like no irony whatsoever. And it would be played by Jonah Hill. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And maybe like, like it, like a 1989 actor might be. Ooh, in an interesting turn, like the guy that played Booger in Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, what's his name? Yeah. What's his name? I'm Googling. Um, but yeah, he would be great. Uh, he was also in Better Off Dead with my favorite <laughs> 80s actress. <laughs> uh, so he, they have that in common. 
but yeah, that would be, that would be it. That would be like the, the know-it-all to kind of like, you know, the guy that's like helping them with the report who accidentally gets put into the phone booth and, and goes along the way. Curtis Armstrong. Curtis Armstrong. Curtis Armstrong. What is your answer to the random bonus question? Uh, the only 80s trope that's missing is a robot. <laughs> and I think... A I robot, think, yes, yeah, like Johnny we, Five. Yeah, if we gave Bill and Ted a shitty robot, but the, something that speaks like R2-D2, so they can be like, watch your mouth, robot. Like, <laughs> like I think that would be fun, but he would that serve would good. basically the same purpose, and he would be like, in my head, it's R2-D2, and he's just guiding them along. but it would be it'd be an 80s robot a shitty 80s robot because for some reason we're obsessed with home robots oh absolutely i had a radio shack one called roby jr and he would talk he'd be like i'm roby jr and he had a little breakfast tray and you could he had a room on control and you could send him places why is that a breakfast tray specifically you know what it's just a tray it's just a trick. <laughs> I guess, breakfast on for you. And you called it a breakfast tray. Get the fuck out of here. I guess you're right. Thanks for rewriting memories from, you know, age six to eight, but that's fine. Here I am. I, I just memory splained you. Yeah. Oh, shit. What's your <laughs> special award, CJ? Well, my special award for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is Lincoln's Wart and All. Lincoln's wart and all. <laughs> yeah, because this movie is so low budget that even the wart on Abraham Lincoln's face is it's terrible. Awful. It's yeah, terrible. it's terrible. The CGI is shit. Um, you know, some of the editing is is crappy, but fuck, this movie's good. <laughs> Everybody in it is good. The pacing is fantastic, as I mentioned before. The script is hilarious. You know, even some of the clunkier jokes in it, like Alex. Um, Alex Bill and Ted sell so well, you know, like it's just, it's just fantastic. And like, even the little, all the little problems that are, you know, that are, that we have with it, right. That are Mm -hmm. inherently involved in anything from the eighties that you go back and look at in the 2020s. um, Doesn't matter that they're, they're insignificant. Yeah. So Lincoln's Wharton all is the award tonight for Bill. I love that. So and although I, it's it was a mole, it's not a wart. It's obviously. a mole. I know, I know. I was gonna. Mole. I didn't want to mansplain moles to you though. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. All right, give me yours. Give me yours. All right, mine is. So mine is the hidden jokes award. Okay. Okay. Because one thing I noticed watching this movie as an adult was for everything that is obviously and memorably funny, there are things, there are details that are funnier and they're just like buried among all of the other things. Mm. And so like I mentioned the trash can. Yeah. So it's like, remember a trash can, but like who drops the trash can? Where does it come from? Who drops it? What he's remembered is a booby trap that he built, that he designed and built. Right. So that is hilarious. And how badly it doesn't make sense. And that it, how aggressively <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Cause like the keys, yeah. Oh, we'll put the keys right there. Okay. That's fine. But like the booby trap, the tape recorder, like the, tape how, recorder. the message on the computer, that whole sequence is bonkers. And the thing is that is really, really funny writing beyond the two acts of jokes that you've heard. 
Yeah, the whole totally. the, the fact that they use Act Three to so aggressively throw their time travel the time the travel window, rules in your face, yeah, it's fucking funny, and, and so we, funny. We, we miss it because we're busy on the journey. And the other one that kills me is when Rufus takes them on their first jump, and the first thing they see is stock footage. That's hilarious. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that those soldiers on the hill. Th- that is that is from another film gotta be and then and then they cut in the scenes with napoleon with a yeah. much smaller cast totally on that and that's hilarious i was just like they put that stock footage it's not even color graded to match like it's nope. so obviously stock footage totally it's great yeah. and even watching it now it's even it's even more it's even worse like, that, they, that that was a movie that was filmed in the 60s like that is an old movie that they used yeah and you didn't notice because you're busy. Like, what is this weird ass like phone booth that I'm in? You're in Austria. Yeah. What the fuck is happening? Yeah, it's it's hysterical. I was like, stock footage, genius, super late fifties. <laughs> just go for it. Just look at it. Yeah. It's fine. Just roll. Just yeah. roll along. So I did. Buried jokes. There it is. Hidden jokes. Hidden jokes. Sorry. Yeah. No notes, folks. He's working with no notes. No notes. Just going for it. <laughs> so. Yeah. Is this movie yes. an icon or yes. a Y-icon? It's an icon. It is. Dude, this thing launched two different animated series, a live action show, and now two sequels that have spanned, what, 30 years. These are iconic characters. It's an iconic story. It's an iconic movie. Mm-hmm. It's an icon, 100%. No ifs, ands, or babes about it. Yep. I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. This is an absolute icon. It's a reason that they made the third one last year. Yeah. Uh, We remember it. We've carried it with us. I thought the sequel was super funny. I can't wait to watch watch the sequel. I I remember thinking, because it's weird. and And what's funny was, I was older when the sequel came out, and I remember remarking that they played so fast and loose with the mythology and oh, yeah. I've, I've carried that memory around <laughs> that it was so bonkers with the heaven and hell concepts that they do that and then i'm like I, i'm watching this and i was like oh no bonkers string theory that makes no sense the whole movie relies on it that's oh, yeah. the thing that they do they're they're being consistent this one talked about string theory the next one talks about heaven and hell yeah and it's that's just, that it, and and it's through the eye the through the lens of bill and ted yeah. Two lovable stoners. So lovable. Just, just, you just want good things for them. Yep. Ah, I love this movie. This is going to be yeah. fun. And, uh, and, uh, I, well, I think everybody knows what we're going to do next week. Yeah. Bill and Ted's bogus journey. And, and you've already teased it, but let's remind the people where this will ultimately lead. Bill and Ted face the music. The third one, which I have not seen yet. I haven't seen it either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I I'm, so I'm, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really soak it up. Soak it up. Soak it up, folks. Yeah. Well, we did it, CJ. And I'm proud of it us. Is. And this we is did. a good, it's, it's genres like this uh, uh, that uh, I, I, reasons why I wanted to do this show because we're unearthing yeah. movies from our past that are really, really solid and fun and interesting. The Usk Universe, I loved, but there's some uneven shit in there, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. But this is this this Bill and Ted's trilogy. I'm hoping that it is a tight little 
yeah. fantastic trilogy because I know the first one was great. I know that I rem- I know the second one was great. So very, very excited to talk about that with you next week and then get into the third one the week after. Yeah, yeah. I, I just hope the third one uh, does a better job of picking up where the second one left off than Rise of Skywalker. Because Last Dude. Jedi set up some great threads. The Last Jedi took a shit on the Star Wars universe. I don't. Well, folks, for Icon or Icon, <laughs> I am CJ LaRoche. And I'm Andrew David Sotomayor. And this week, we're going to remind you that we should all continue to be excellent to each other. Party on. Party on, dudes. We'll see you next time. Hey.